It's the Braincast, Braincast, the PopBrain.com. Braincast, Braincast, listen to the show, because you're in for the PopBrain.com. Braincast, Braincast, oh Hello and welcome to the Anniversary Brothers podcast, where we talk about the anniversaries of your favorite TV shows and movies. I'm your host, Aaron Sarnecki, and joined joining me, as always, is my brother, Josh Sarnecki. Say hi. Uh, present. No, present, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, you won't get full credit unless you're here for all the podcasts. Oh, OK. Well, I don't want to lose out on a NA because of a attendance record. Mm -hmm. So uh, Josh and I are here for our first podcast of January or, or of, of the year, I should say, which is January. Oh, our first movie podcast. Movie, first movie podcast. Uh, you can listen to our previous podcast, which there will be a link in the uh, description. Uh, but yeah, um, We've talked about it. I'm pretty sure any of our January podcasts that January, I don't even know we had a January podcast the first time around. I don't know, but last January was Green Hornet. I yeah, think so. yeah. So January's typically not a strong year. A um, strong month. Strong month for for movies. It's typically the the dumping ground for studios where they put their movies that they don't have as much faith in, which we can talk about whether or not that applies to the movie we're talking about today. Snow Dogs, which <laughs> Disney released in theaters in January 2002. Yeah, so celebrating its 20th anniversary. Um, I mean, we all know this, though. Everyone was greatly anticipating this anniversary. I know. I mean, honestly, it was the only thing to choose when <laughs> I was looking at, I think there was one other thing, but I, I honestly don't even remember what it was. Well, that's not a good sign. So if yeah. you, you can't remember it then. Uh, I mean, I, I will say that this movie is somewhat memorable. So, uh, Oh yeah, it's definitely memorable. You, I never forgot about it, but it was never on my mind the way other movies were yeah especially other disney movies mm. yeah or other dog movies or maybe. other dog well it's been a while since i've seen another dog movie i guess mm, maybe later i'll do our ranking of dog movies the, yeah ranking of dog movies yeah so Aaron, i don't know about you but i don't think i've seen this movie since we originally saw it in 2002 <laughs> You see, I was wondering, because I feel like maybe we saw it again on TV, on Disney Channel or ABC Family, but maybe not. It's hard to know. I can't remember. I, this is definitely not something we've seen more than like, if we've seen it more but, than once, then barely. Yeah, yeah. Definitely not something we had on VHS. Right. So to give a little background, this came out in 2002. We were uh, nine and a half, uh, a few months from 10 when it came out. And um, yeah, I guess it just didn't make a lasting impression. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I don't I don't know if it made a lasting impression on on too many people like it. I mean, we'll, we'll get into it, but I think it's I think it's a cute movie, and I think there's um, some positive there, mo mostly related to the animals. Um, but yeah, this kind of came during a period when Disney's films, especially their live action films, were not really drawing too much attention or praise. Right. I can't speak for their entire filmography when it comes to live action. Because they did, like in the 50s and 60s, 
have some movies that had acclaim obviously movies like mary poppins uh other movies like old yeller is a disney movie speaking of dog movies oh i didn't know that yeah uh you should be able to find that on disney plus um and like i don't know there are other other things but i know for the 90s and 2000s there their live action movies were not considered of a particular high quality. Yeah. There were, there were lots of them, but very few were either critically adored or remembered fondly. So you have ones that I don't know. I don't think the critics really liked the mighty ducks movies, but you know, huge impact on a lot of people. Yeah. No, I the, think... same, the same way, like, I don't know if The Sandlot actually was, like, a critical hit, but, you know, made a huge impact on people. Um, but... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're looking at Disney live-action movies at this time, the only ones that really, like, come to mind that were huge successes were probably, like, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Yeah, and I'm thinking of, like, ones that actually were, like, well-received and did well would mm. probably be like The Parent Trap, which itself was a remake of one of their more successful movies from the 60s. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we all know how much Disney loves remakes. Right. Although, or or, like, or this... like Tron. I don't know if you categorize that as live action. Uh, maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't just, I'm, I just pulled up a list of some of their live action films and like, I mean, Flubber was actually are... a remake. It was, it was based off like the absent minded. No, it was the absent minded ref- professor. It's actually, um, what's funny is if you've seen double indemnity, which is like a, an adult movie, Fred McMurray, who's the guy in that is the, the professor in that. Uh... He did like m- other Disney movies too. He did like the original Shaggy Dog. Mm. So I think. Okay. Yeah. No. Disney had. Well. Okay. I. I'm pulling this. There. There are a few other notable. They had like the bleak beach blanket bingo and stuff like that. Yeah. If we're talking early two thousands, other notable um, live action Disney movies were The Princess Diaries. Yeah. Um. Remember the Titans. Okay, you know those two are actually good movies. I would say. Yeah. Um, but then there's also a lot of not so good movies like The right. Haunted Mansion. Well, yeah. And, um, The Country Bears. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it was it was a mixed bag. We should say. Right. This was before they leaned heavily on their acquisitions of studios. Right. Right. Yeah, and you 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 can't blame them for you know going in that direction. I mean, obviously it's paid off very well for them. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but Snow Dogs is it's technically a uh, original film, I guess. It's somewhat based on a book. It's based. Uh, yeah, the book is apparently nonfiction. It uh, from the few bits I saw, it's. Very very loose adaptation. Yeah, the the book is called just like Winter the fact Dance. that there are dogs in Alaska, and there's a team of them on the sled, and like I think that's the only <laughs> similarity. Yeah. yeah. So it, it loosely inspired by the book Winter well, Dance yeah. by Gary Paulson. Yeah. Well, I, well, that's what I think. You know, when a movie is based on a true story or based on a book, I think okay. It's a relatively faithful adaptation. When you say inspired by, it could just be like the name of the book and everything else could be different. <laughs> yeah. yeah. At the end of the credits for this movie, they, they don't even say like inspired by, like I forget the the term they use, but it's, it's like, oh yeah, like it was well, kind of it influenced by this. Doesn't it say in the opening credits though that is inspired by the book? 
I think so. I think they I know, have I think to it, give credit somewhere. They do. I, I think at the end though, it says like it's influenced by, which influenced is like such a by. weird way of yeah. giving, uh, you know, some uh, some notice to like, yes, we we got some of these ideas from somewhere else. Right. Well, occasionally, like you'll get a book, like some of the Bourne movies or some of the James Bond movie. All they did would take the title, mm. and like like I said, they, then they would just change everything else. Mm. Or like, like the new James Bond movie took some elements of some of the other books, but it's called something different. So, mm. yeah. It, when when it comes to adaptations, the Star Wars based on a real story, <laughs> you can't prove it didn't happen. I mean, it did happen a long, long time ago. Right. Yeah. It was just the documents have been scattered to the four winds. <laughs> But going back to Snow Dogs, I know we were saying we didn't really watch this that many times. And uh, other than seeing it in theaters, that was maybe the only definitive time we watched it. Do you remember liking it, even though it wasn't something that had stuck with us? I remember thinking it was... The tone and things were just a little... Not what I was expecting... Um, I wasn't expecting a lot of the stuff where like he has to find his dad and and stuff like that and the fact that the trailer featured the dream sequence with the talking dogs and I know I went into the movie thinking that it was a talking dog movie and it's not. Yes, I thank you for bringing that up because that is one of my biggest points of one of the things I remember the most about this I, is I, that... had, I had not been faked out by a movie as much as since uh, the the comedy themed trailers of Bicentennial Man. Yeah, I was going to make the same comparison. Because, yeah, I, I also thought this was going to be all talking dogs. And other than the one dream sequence, that's it. Um, which, not to say that's a good sequence, because I, I feel like that sequence is... Uh, <laughs> just kind of weird when you find out that it's the exception rather than the role of the movie. Well, yeah, it's just and like Michael Bolden shows up as like his giant album starts talking to Cuba Gooding Jr. And yeah. his mom makes him a blue cheese cookie. Yeah, it's, it's so a, strange. It's a fever dream. All right. Uh, yeah, because it, it's such a weird sequence and. That's it almost the, feels like it belongs more in a David Lynch movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and that's, I think, what got us about this movie when we were kids is that I think they played up that sequence in the trailers and maybe the commercials yeah. Yeah. so that we came in with very different expectations. Same way with, like, you mentioned Bicentennial Man, where we thought that was going to be this, like, wacky Robin mm-hmm. Williams comedy it ended up being, like, this existential, like, Oh, yeah, that, drama. One, that one specifically, I went back and looked at some of the stuff. They definitely like made totally made it look like a comedy. Like they weren't even trying to make the like to let people in on what what it was. They were actively trying to hide what it was about. They're like, this movie is too sad. If you know, we Robin Williams was in it. This, you know, it was Chris Columbus. So everyone's like, everyone will think it's a comedy. Uh, we just put in all the funny moments in the trailers and in the TV commercials. That. <laughs> That's a podcast for another day. I, I, mm. If we ever get to do that, that will be an interesting one. Oh, man. So many thoughts on that. Um, but yeah, so Snow Dogs, the, the dogs don't talk. Um, they, they do some other kind of uh, strange things with the dogs. Right. The movie. Um, yeah. Which I, I don't know if you want to get into that right now, if there's other things you'd rather dive into first. Uh, well, we could just, no, I mean, we could just mention it that, to, I guess, personalize or anthropomorphize, whatever the word is, the dogs, they use computer graphics to either make them, you know, like wink or their eyes bulge or stuff like that when, you know, sees a skunk. It's just like very, but like not in like a, a particularly detailed way it's meant to look cartoonish uh 
I, or yeah, you think it's just this is early 2000s this is the best they could come up with <laughs> i don't know if it's meant to be cartoonish but it comes off as cartoonish oh yeah it, yeah part of this movie does feel like a live action cartoon not in the yeah. same way that baby's day out does where people mm. are getting like thrown through uh like steel bars in in like the zoo and stuff like that but mm. There is something very cartoonish, and I don't know, it was maybe just all of the, um, the physical comedy, maybe. There is a lot of physical comedy, um, and, and I guess that somewhat lent itself to it. But I, re-watching this movie for the podcast, I hated every time they used some of that animation to, to make the dogs Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's sort of like, because they did that, cause we talked about Babe, and they did that for babe but like that was the whole movie they were mm-hmm. all and like the the animals did talk so like it just worked for that movie but for this they kind of it's like it's not going to be a talking dog movie but we're gonna do a little something and it just ends up looking at first when i because i watched the commercial i'm like is this even in the movie or was this another thing that they did to make people go, go to the movie? Mm. But then, you know, like I, I started realizing like, Oh wait, no. Okay. I'm seeing it. Yeah. It, it, it just seems like, and, and in a way that like, considering that the rest of the movie is fairly grounded in reality. Mm hmm feels a little besides a dream sequence feels a little jarring yeah like look, like uh, the, the, the besides writers. this like again it's based off a okay inspired by a true story like all of this could you know happen yeah like the rest of it is is somewhat believable um but then it gets so just outlandish and and i i don't know if part of that is the fact that there was um there's five people listed i um, noticed that there's the like script. i'm like how many people were writing like snow dogs it's like keep in mind this script is like not even two hours so how do they have that many people writing it right so now, that granted granted sometimes the animation that can happen mm. but usually when you have that many people writing a movie it's not a good sign usually no. if you have more than three people writing a movie it's not a good sign yeah, no, it really makes me think that they had just like too many cooks in the kitchen and like someone wanted to make it zanier than everyone else. Um, but I mean, they, they did get, um, notably, they did get Jim Henson's Creature Shop to do some right. animatronic work also right. for one yeah, of the Yeah, I noticed that in the credits and I was actually surprised because I'm like, wow, like, like when we watch Babe, I could be like, okay, I can tell like some of this is, you know, animatronic, but this I didn't even notice. Right. So, yeah, if we're talking about the animatronics, I think they did a really good job with that for the dog demon because I didn't even notice really. Right. Um, I mean, but animation was not good. Right. I mean, I mean, maybe not Ninja Turtles level, but. <laughs> but what is really? Right. Um, but yeah, what other than the the weird animation, though, um, I found it strange that like. They, they like I, I wasn't sure if they were using that to kind of give the dogs more personality because really at the end of it i only really felt like i knew two of the dogs like i feel like okay demon is the angry one who scares uh teddy cuba Gooding jr's character and then uh nana is like the sweet non-husky who you know is looking after him kind of yeah and the other one's like i couldn't even remember the names of the other dogs yeah no that's exactly what i was thinking earlier when i was thinking about what i was going to say for this podcast and all these dogs have these really fun names and now i one it's like diesel or yeah tulip or something i don't know okay wait now let's let's do it i i have the list in front of me this is like counting all the reindeer off yeah let's so there's seven of them you, you've named Diesel. You, you try try to name at least two more. Uh, Mac. Okay, you got it. Honestly, Mac is a very generic name. <laughs> um, was it Scooper? 
Yeah, you got it. Okay. We already Granted, said Demon. I've watched the trailer probably more times than you have. So. <laughs> Fair. Okay. Uh, we already mentioned Demon. So there's only three more. There's three you haven't named yet. I don't, I don't you can know. You can also just... Okay. Then, then the other three are Sniff, Yodel, and Duchess. Oh, Yodel. That was the... I knew one was very strange. Um, um, our, our, yeah. our family dog, Tucker, would also be a good Yodel. <laughs> the way that he he howls yeah yeah i mean i i think yodel's a good name for a husky because they make some yeah. wild sounds uh-huh. um and i will say all the the huskies in this movie are really adorable oh uh, yeah i was gonna say i was like i don't know if josh is actually gonna like this movie but i know he's gonna love watching the dogs i as someone who uh like i had neighbors that had huskies and i would constantly like think about like kidnapping their huskies and making them my own uh i was like yes i would totally steal one of these dogs um and then i remembered that huskies are crazy and that they are just in uh, hus- huskies are wild and apparently incredibly hard to uh train um there was like one week when um i kind of fostered one sort of and it uh it was definitely the alpha and, I and they also the shed beta. A lot. They, oh my god! Yeah, they shed so much. <laughs> um, so yeah, like the scenes where like the huskies are like destroying <laughs> like the the cottage or like pulling apart his stuff. I was like, yeah, that seems right. Um, that seems right. But they're also just like such beautiful dogs. Um, and I mean, all the not just even the, those seven, but like uh, Nana the border collie is yeah. is so sweet. Yeah. Um, even the bear that shows up, the grizzly bear, is is, is cute. I wanna I wanna adopt oh, yeah, the grizzly yeah. bear. Yeah. So Aaron, next time you come over to my apartment, uh, don't be concerned about the grizzly bear sitting on the couch. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, but yes, you you were not wrong to think that the the animals are going to be the highlight well, of the movie for me. Well, it's. But thinking about how. It's just difficult when you have a big cast, in this case, a big cast of animals. How do you make them all memorable? For animals, it's even harder because, like, yeah, all, like, dogs and stuff can have their personality. But if they're all, like, the same type of dog, like, that makes it even harder. True. Like, they they all have different coloring, which helps to some degree. Like, obviously, Demon is very distinctive. He's the one with the, the black and white fur. Yeah. But other than that, it's like, man, I can't really tell which one of these dogs is which. And like, but they, they... I was also thinking is like, I, it's like when you watch the Hobbit and you're like, you can only remember like three of the dwarves. <laughs> That's a good comparison. Okay. I can maybe, I could probably remember more than that, but, but, but the point is, it's just like, you have that many, um, you just have that many characters. It's just human or not. It's just hard to juggle. Oh yeah, I mean, it's it's hard enough in movies where the characters have speaking lines, like the dwarves, or um, just having seen um the newest Spider-Man movie yesterday, like where there's so many villains and like there's only so much time each person can speak. But even in this, it's like, how do you even do that with animals or with with characters that don't talk except in a weird dream sequence that totally feels out of place right and for some reason jim belushi's there yeah jim belushi's talking for demon yeah that was probably the the weirdest part of the movie for me i didn't recognize his voice until i i saw in the credits it was him oh i i knew right away that was jim belushi and i thought why in the world did they get him like i would have gotten someone with a much more grislier voice like i would have gone for like um oh what's his face i can't think of his name um it's going to come to me. Kind of cowboyish guy, mustache. Oh, uh, S- Sam Elliott? Yeah, Sam Elliott. I would have gone Sam Elliott. <laughs> okay. For for Demon. Uh, so, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but I, I, I... You know what? I also kind of felt... We didn't really go into the plot of this movie yet. Oh, yeah. So, but just explaining it, it's about Cuba Gooding Jr.'s... Uh, character his name is teddy or ted and he is a dentist he lives in miami and he finds out that he is adopted so he goes and um 
his mother passes away, so he gets a summons, and he is bequeathed all of her belongings, except a few things, uh, including these uh, dogs. And then he is looking for his father, who ends up being this character who's very curmudgeonly Thunder Jack, played by James Coburn, and he teaches him how to mush the dogs, and there's a lot of hijinks, like we said, mostly focused on him trying to control the dogs, and or him just being like, being a city guy, not used to the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's very much a fish out of water. Story. It, 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 I don't. I I think I said this takes place in Alaska. If if I didn't, it takes place in, in Alaska. Yes. Uh. Yeah. Because that's where his mom and or his uh his biological mother's from, and yeah. So it's it's all about this Miami dentist learning about uh what it's like living in a small Alaskan town and. Uh, getting introduced to the culture around mm-hmm. uh, I, I, dog I will sled racing. say that I thought that they did a, a pretty good job of that, but like I also felt like similar to the dogs, there were some townsfolk that I didn't think got enough screen time. Like I was, uh, I was, yeah. I was like little what like here's the the guy who his mom left her her putter or golf club or whatever yeah her lucky putter so i I wanted to know a little bit more about him he only has like one scene with him yeah played by brian doyle murray uh who is bill murray's older brother oh okay oh wait no sorry i'm thinking the wrong person no that was that was Peter Yellowbear, played by Graham Greene. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was a little confused. I'm like, wait, I don't think he got Sorry, that right. <laughs> Graham Greene, uh, who who uh, who was uh, nominated for an Oscar for Dance of the Wolves. Yeah, and who was also in The Green Mile, um, and as well as a lot of things, he's been in in many many things. Um, yeah, and, and I should say, sorry, I yeah messed up the the actors, but there there are some notable like. Um, side actors in this with with graham green brian doyle murray um m emmett walsh i don't really know him from anything specific apparently he was in ordinary people which i know you watched recently it's been like six months but okay oh, okay <laughs> I, I, do, I i have to look at the name he's not ringing a bell he was in blade runner he he was the one who played the the pilot with the eye patch oh okay okay yeah um yeah wait i can i can pull it up he played who did he play he played coach salen coach salen oh he must have been the the swimming coach in that movie yeah okay um he was also in wild wild west um the 1999 (laughs) version beloved by all yeah um so i mean some some noticeable or notable like small time actors Mm -hmm. to a degree um I, though I should say the biggest name other than Cuba Gooding Jr. is probably the actress who plays, well, the two other most notable names are James Coburn, who plays his father, uh, his biological father, uh, Thunder Jack. And then Nichelle Nichols um, plays his adopted mother, and right. she's best known for playing uh, Uhura in, in the Star original, Trek. In the, yeah, in the original Star Trek series. Yeah. Uh, and which I, which she, I was surprised that she was in. I was like, oh, I didn't know she was in this. Yeah. And I thought she was delightful in this. Like, she oh, yeah, doesn't have a lot to do. But, yeah. Yeah. But, like, she's, like, very, does a good job as, like, the doting mother uh-huh. um, who's concerned about her son but also doesn't know how to uh, tell him the truth without a fear of losing him. Mm-hmm. But, sorry, I, I kind of got you away from the point about the, the town folk don't get a lot of. Uh, no, I don't think there was really much else to say about it. It just felt like there was something missing in terms of making it feel completely alive as a town. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that's because like most of the, most of the scenes, like he, he's not really bonding with the townspeople as much as he's bonding with, uh, Barb played by Joanna Bacalso. Yeah. Uh, 
who is the bar owner and who um, was friends with uh, Ted's biological mother, and then uh, Thunderjack are really the two people he bonds right. with most. Um, although I do have like some nitpicks for his relationship with Barb. Okay. I mean, you can um, go to that now. Uh, well, it's it's nothing like major. It's like I feel like they're like so she becomes his love interest, Ted's love interest, and it just feels so out of the blue because like as soon as she meets him, like the only thing that really like sets him aside or like that draws her to him is that he reminds her of his mother. Um, he, she says like, "Oh, you look just like her," um, but other than that. He's kind of obnoxious. Like he he clearly doesn't belong there. He doesn't um know what he's doing. Um like she repeatedly tries to help him and he kind of like blows her off. Um he seems like disrespectful towards his uh his deceased mother who, you know, Barb really cared about and thinks highly of. Um and so like she she kind of like looks after him and like tries to take Ted under her wing to a degree, but like I never bought like why she would have any sort of romantic feelings for him. Cause I don't know. There's just, there's just nothing there for Ted that really. Yeah. I mean, I, I can know. kind of see like in his defense, I can kind of see why he would be resentful as to, you know, people taking them being adopted is going to be difficult for a lot of people. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do kind of see, like, there's nothing particularly special about him. Like, obviously, Cuba Gooding Jr. is good-looking. He's, I don't know, if, like, the idea that he's he's just different from everybody. But, I yeah, there's... I still thought their relationship was kind of cute, but... I mean, it, it did have moments, but I, I don't know. I just kept thinking, like, I don't buy it. And also, just, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I wanted to see more from her as a character because she kind of you know she she fit this interesting trope sort of of like the the like the the tough woman who like runs the local bar which is or like kind of the saloon if we're thinking of like westerns um which is kind of a you know they kind of like kind of forget about that eventually they they do and i i feel like at the end of it, they really kind of do her dirty. Like, he's like, really, by the time we get to the end, like, she's basically just like waiting patiently for uh, Teddy to come back. And then the next time we see her, she's married. And the next time we see her after that, she's pregnant. And it's like, okay, I feel like this character deserved a lot more than that. Because for most of it, she is like this really badass character who's able to, um, like, silence some of like the the rough and tumble, uh, you know, men around the bar. And now all of a sudden she's just like, doesn't have much to do, which I don't know. I felt like that was a disservice to her. Cause I, I think Joanna, uh, Bacalso, I think does a good job. I think I liked her performance in this. Yeah, I can see that. Um, it didn't bother me as much, but I can see that. That's fair. Um, so, They try to play like a balance of like, are we supposed to feel bad for Cuber Cunning Jr. or is we just supposed to laugh at him? Like mm. his character. Like I guess you could do both. Most good comedies allow you to do both. Um Do you just feel he was too unlikable most of the time? Um I I do feel like he was more unlikable than anything. Um just because he he does come in with this this kind of attitude of like this is uh like a backwater place and I'm not going to be here long and all these people like really matter it's like it's 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 very condescending the way he approaches it mm-hmm. um but to be fair they also view him as like a city slicker who doesn't belong there so uh which is accurate um so I mean he he, he did grow on me as a character um. Like, especially once you get to see him, um, like, interacting with Thunderjack. Like, I, I feel like those interactions slowly became uh, more humanizing for Ted. Mm-hmm. Um, although I thought, like, the, 
the comedy around their their first two interactions was really weird. Like when they're yeah. just yelling at each other back and forth, and then all of a sudden Thunderjack punches him in the face. I mean, <laughs> yeah, the, the the repeating each other got a little on my nerves. I just didn't think it was very funny. Yeah, it's like, that's um, not funny. That's just childish. I, I actually really enjoy James Coburn, though. Uh, for one, yeah. I just love his voice. Uh, if anybody, you know, he uh, so he's classic, uh, you know, Hollywood actor from like way back in the fifties. Uh, mm. uh, he was the voice of uh, Mr. Waternoose in uh, Monsters Incorporated. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so oh, he just okay. he he has his voice has a lot of like gruff and like commands authority. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, have you seen any of his older movies? Uh, I don't think so, but uh, he is like kind of kind of famous. He yeah. actually he 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 won an Oscar for a movie in the nineties. I saw that, um, which I was I was surprised because it looks like he was mostly known before that for like uh, he was in Magnificent Seven. Yeah, uh, he was in The Great Escape. Yeah, um, some other westerns and action films. Yeah, so he definitely like an old school actor. Yeah. Kind of wondering what he's doing in a movie like this. Yeah, uh, I mean, I it, from reading. It looked like his career had kind of gone by the wayside as he got older. Not yeah. surprising because he was kind of more of a an actiony kind of right, yeah. almost like sex symbolish kind of character guy. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, from what well, he was, was kind of like a Steve McQueen kind of guy, so I guess yeah, yeah. That's a good description from what I've been reading. Um, but yeah, his career kind of like dwindled once it got to like the eighties. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, which is, I mean, not uncommon for actors as they get. I older. feel like we pushed the boundary now. With if you look at like Liam Neeson, how old he is, or even Bruce Willis is still doing action roles, and yeah. Tom Cruise to a degree. Yeah, that's true. Um, other other than his voice, was there anything else about Coburn's performance that like really stuck out to you? Uh, I thought he did the emotional parts well. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked um, near the end of the film when he and um, Teddy have their heart to heart and like he reveals the truth about um, Teddy's adoption. Like I thought that was um, like somewhat understated from from Coburn, but uh, I think it it worked given his character. And yeah, I, I found that strangely emotional for yeah. a movie that I think is not really big on emotions other than uh-huh. like, isn't this funny? Ha ha. Uh-huh. Um, spe- yeah. Speaking of the comedy. So we're pretty unimpressed by the, the physical comedy, like him being chased by demon up the tree or him being chased by the bear. It's not yeah. him being spread by a skunk. Yeah, sprays him in the eyes and he's rolling around. Yeah, it's very it's juvenile. Yeah, just lazy, been done before. It doesn't really add anything new. Um, the the part where they he's trying to eat more blue cheese than his dad. Yeah, there's a strange obsession with blue cheese in this movie. I I will say I like blue cheese. <laughs> I'm not gonna go like uh scarfing it down like that mm-hmm. but that's one of the the ways that uh ted comes to like believe that uh-huh. thunderjack is actually his dad because right. they both really like blue cheese uh which is a weird plot point yeah um that they <laughs> they they play it very early uh-huh. when teddy's like oh i should have known i was adopted because my my adopted parents didn't like blue cheese and i love it uh-huh. it's like okay that's a a weird <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, thing to point out but okay one of the things that was a little off-putting just when i remember first seeing it is they they make so many comments on the fact that like oh yeah you're the only black guy in alaska or like your dad is white that's weird how did you feel did you think that that was that that worked like i guess sort of the message is like it doesn't matter who your parents are like you are who you are and that's good um 
Yeah, I guess I wasn't sure what they were making of that. Um, it for for me, it was more uh, confusing or problematic in ways because they presented Alaska as a very white place, which is 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 not to say like there isn't uh, probably a, a a lot of white people there, but like it's. It, I, there's also a strong um, or, a, you know, a, a representation of um, native people there. Right. And, yeah. And I feel like the movie doesn't capture that. Like even like talking about like uh, like dog sledding and um, they, they several times they, they talk about people like sounding or looking like Eskimos, like which is offensive now you know referring to someone as it because that's a specific tribe and you should not be using that in that way um like i feel like they they were trying to explore some like different aspects of like the racial like shock of like thinking you're from miami and having this kind of background where there's a lot of diversity and there's a lot of um like latin influence like he's listening to a lot of latin music and in the beginning and then going to a place that's predominantly white, but it totally ignores the fact that there's a strong native population in Alaska. Um, so that was weird for me. I, I don't, I didn't like that. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to tell you the um, exact demographic numbers in Alaska, especially from 20 years ago. But um, yeah, I would say that it does ignore that to a degree. Um uh yeah but it it um yeah sorry i i sorry i just looked it up um so to to be fair the the predominant the state is predominantly white uh at least as of 2019 it's 60.2% population is non-hispanic white um and then 3.7% population black um but then 15.6 percent american indian or alaska native so um yeah i don't think they they did justice to some of the diversity there uh-huh. um but it, fair that you know as a black man he was coming to a, a place that had uh a lot less black people than he was probably used to so i don't know i i feel like it was worth mentioning is kind of like a culture shock um but it it didn't really feel like it went anywhere mm-hmm. uh how did you think like besides the dog effects um were the effects okay i mean that's the part where like the plane was behind their plane the the jet was <laughs> yeah. just like Part of me was thinking, like, these Disney movies from the 2000s were kind of like, um, they're kind of like two steps up from, like, a Hallmark movie, <laughs> where, like, they have, like, an actual budget, but, like, mm. they're still, like, not very high quality. <laughs> yeah, the, the scene on the runway was not very impressive. Um, like the way that also I mean, like that's not how planes work. This was made for like thirty three million dollars. Now that's probably close to like sixty six million. It's almost like double. Mm. Which just makes me wonder where did all that money really go? <laughs> it doesn't look like it was that expensive. No, I I think I let me look. Uh, they they did film somewhat on location a lot of it was filmed in canada yeah um and i think probably some special effects for well definitely some special effects were were used near like the end when um they're hanging off the side of the cliff yeah which was i don't know i felt like that added unnecessary time onto the movie (laughs) It's like, I mean, this movie's already fairly lean. It's like 99 minutes long. And it's like, you could have cut that out and we could have just wrapped this up a lot sooner. Because mm-hmm. um, I know now 
uh, the internet's in love with the idea of an hour and a half long movie. So they, they were close. They just cut out that. The internet's uh, in love with it. Really? I've never heard that before. The portion of the internet that I <laughs> listened to, I guess. Then, uh, I mean, that used to be like the standard for your comedies. And I think that's a, for the most time, most times is perfect length for a comedy. Um, I wouldn't say that most movies should be that. Um, but okay. I just, I wasn't aware that every, everybody on the internet was, I, I know people said that the new Adam McKay movie was like an hour too long. Yeah. I'm, I'm greatly overgeneralizing saying the entirety of the internet, but I know that there is a, a portion of viewers who are like, yes, keep it to this length. This is like the perfect length of a movie. And I, I, think... I know I, we had one friend who said something like, if David Cronenberg can make a movie under two hours, so can you. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Um, but no, the, the only thing I really got from that sequence when the the sled is hanging off the cliff is it's it's very goofy seeing the dogs like push through to 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 bring them back off the cliff. Um, Those are some strong dogs. It's I don't. It reminded me of something, but they're, I don't know what. It remind you of Batman Begins when he's trying to pull up. Maybe, Roz. maybe just like this. There this is labored. some like, despite the effects not being that great, there is some like nice cinematography going on with a lot of the nature shots and just oh, the yeah. design of the town. I don't know if it's an actual town or they, I guess, built their own town i think it uh, yeah i mean they were filming in canmore uh which is a town in alberta canada mm-hmm. so i i don't know i i think it looked really pretty well um, yeah it, it, it sort of reminded me also it was like this movie came out like a couple of months more than a couple it came out a few months before uh, Insomnia, which was Christopher Nolan did, which is also set in Alaska, but it's like a, a crime thriller. It was like really like dark and brooding movie. It's just like I'd, I'd like to think that Al Pacino is, you know, you know, questioning his moral dilemma somewhere, you know, <laughs> that he, he passes by Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> you know, I, I think that was in the deleted scenes. Um, and that movie is interesting because it talks about like how I don't know if it's part of Alaska, all of Alaska. They have the the part where like the the sun doesn't set or mm. the it, the sky doesn't go dark for like a whole month. Yeah, I don't know if I could live in that. That sounds like, <laughs> that sounds like a lot. Um, we should also mention. Uh, this gives kind of small tidbit that several of the dogs from this movie starred in a later Disney movie um, that also included um, dog sleds. Uh, they were in Eight Below, yeah, which was yeah. a 2006 survival drama starring Paul Walker um, based off of a 1983 Japanese film called Antarctica. Yeah. Um, and that movie was uh, received a lot more praise than this one. Oh yeah, but they, yeah. But they made about the same amount of money. So yeah, both. I was reading about that and the Japanese version. Um, the Japanese version was actually really popular in Japan. Um, it was like the most uh, up until like Princess Mononoke was like the highest grossing Japanese movie in Japan. Oh wow! Yeah, did not know that. But it also uh, had like a bad track record for like the uh, the Humane Society, you know, said that it was like unsafe and stuff like that. Mm. Speaking of which, should you really bite a dog on the ear? I feel like <laughs> I feel like they, they this movie does say no animals were hurt. So obviously Cuba Gooding Jr. did not actually bite the dog on the ear. But that is promoting unsafe, you know, values. I, I did kind of. Uh, wince. wince at that because like like no don't do that um that that was not good yeah please please do not bite a dog's ear that is that is animal abuse right um which 
I feel like they didn't really need, like, again, they could have just had him take out the tooth. I just love the idea that he had his pliers with him. <laughs> and see, I actually like that moment of him taking out the tooth. It's like, okay. No, he... I do, but I was saying that's all they needed. They didn't need the other part. True, true. Um, but no, but... I just find the, the he, it kind of reminds me of Herbie from, uh, from Rudolph with his pliers taking out the bumper's oh, yeah. tooth. <laughs> it's similar. Uh, but I, I did like that moment in a uh, like a show of, hey, look, like he's able to kind of meld his worlds together mm-hmm. um, and like kind of become a full person, acknowledging that his family in Alaska and his adopted family in Miami, like are both part of him. And he's able to uh, to honor both sides of his family. And I, I thought there was something special about that. And I liked it. Yeah, I mean, um, there is some pretty basic storytelling but it works oh i mean yeah it wasn't breaking any ground um yeah and i don't know i feel like there's something about dog movies um (laughs) but what are you gonna say well i was gonna say if if we're talking about dog movies um i i think they they did a good job outside of the the animation i think they did a good job filming the dogs um i mean it's super difficult with animals as somebody who, on a very small scale, has done volunteer work recording animals, it's can be difficult. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if we're we're looking at the director's uh, filmography, so the director of this movie is Brian Levent, and he, this is not his first dog movie. He also directed Beethoven in nineteen ninety two. Classic. Um, yeah, his filmography is. Uh, I, I was I was reading. He said the critics have never liked him, but like he'll go the blockbuster. Or I guess he he went to blockbuster. Doesn't go to blockbuster now. And he would whenever he would see like a family pick out his movie, it made him feel a little better. Well, I mean, good for him. And you know, he has made the greatest movie of all time, Jingle All the Way. So oh, that was him. Oh, that was him. So I thought you were gonna say Air Bud. No, he didn't. Make, he did not make Airbud. Okay, okay, because that is probably actually the greatest movie. But I know you like Junk all the way. You know, there's there's a Funko Pop now from that movie. You can get a Turbo Man holding Turbo Man. <laughs> no, I almost got you that for Christmas. No, I <laughs> Next year, just wait sure. for it. At least somebody appreciates that movie. Um, but there's something about dog movies and there's a lot of dogs in Alaska, snowy conditions, those kind of movies. Uh, like you said, eight below the avalanche movie or no Antarctica movie. Um, there's like a couple other Disney movies. There was that one, uh, togo or something like that oh yeah was that the one with harrison ford no that was call of the wild oh okay togo or if i'm getting the name right so there was the dog sled team if you remember in balto that was based off a real story Mm -hmm. apparently like some people thought that that gave him too much credit and didn't give one of the other dogs enough credit so they made a a dog a movie about that dog too oh i see okay so that was with willem dafoe that was with willem dafoe and then like there was like white fang with the uh... it was it was another disney movie mm. uh with uh drawn a blank whatever that that was a disney movie yeah i guess there's a it's a somewhat popular subject yeah, I think it's just something about like the dog breaking the elements because it sort of acknowledges the wolf ancestry of the dog and how they're able to survive. Mm. But then also, usually these have a person with them, so it acknowledges their domesticated state. Yeah. Uh, White Fang was with Ethan Hawke. Yeah, that's what Ethan Hawke. Yeah, and there's another movie called like Iron Will. It's like you have to have a will of iron to survive in the cold or something. Yeah. yeah. And that was with Mackenzie Aston, Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Yeah. And a few other people. Yeah. So, so I don't know. They just keep making dogs and snow movies. I know that I forget if it was Tommy Tracy or one of our other writers said that like 
there's this genre of movies called like kids on bikes movie this is dogs <laughs> and snow movies i mean it it works it and it's a a somewhat uh well okay i was gonna say it you can adapt it in different ways maybe not like it seems to be either like the survival story or like the the race to like get someone a cure this is like the outlier of like a yeah this one was the comedy version <laughs> yeah the, yeah which i don't know i i, I think I, I, mean, I can't remember if it was any good but balto stands out a little bit more in my memory than this well yeah balto and also that has um kevin bacon voicing balto oh yeah so that all automatically brings it up a little bit <laughs> i mean if, you, if you've got kevin bacon then right. you, you you're right. doing something um, right um but like, do you think this movie ranks anywhere among dog movies? If like, <laughs> does or does it even get on the radar? Because like, granted, there I, I haven't seen all of the dog movies. Like Airbud, classic. Even mm-hmm. Airbud Two is not that bad. Um, Beethoven, I'm not a huge fan of. My mm. dog Skip will make you cry. Ugh. Yeah, I feel like if you if you got a a movie that like, the Yeller, dog dies I in, I haven't seen. Now I have to go watch it. Uh, there was I actually saw a trailer for a new dog movie with the oh, Channing yeah. Tatum. Right, it's just called Dog. <laughs> yeah, I like how they just get right to the point. It's like we're not going to try to hide what this is about. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting about a really big dog movie, but I'll I'll remember it later. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many. Um, I mean. The Dog of Flanders, that, that story. Okay, wait, here we go. I got a list. We got uh, uh, A Dog's Purpose. Okay. M- Marley and Me. Okay, I, I know that that kills people. Uh, Turner and Hooch. Okay, yeah. Uh, because of Winn-Dixie. I've never seen it. Uh, have you seen Best in Show? That's like a comedy, though. Yeah, it's, it's quirky. It's fun. Um, Homeward Bound. Oh, yeah. Well, there's Homeward Bound, and then there's Incredible Journey, which is the original version, mm. which are both Disney movies. Benji. Benji. Uh, Cats and Dogs. Oh, there's another uh, movie that was based off a, a Japanese movie called, uh, uh, about the, the dog Hachiko. Uh, mm. uh, that was a really popular movie in Japan, and they made a, a version of it with Richard Gere for like Hallmark or whatever. Mm uh john wick cujo uh a cujo <laughs> i mean okay no, yes technically movie. it is a dog movie and it actually is a pretty good movie but i don't know i'm just wait so according to this this is a list from ron tomatoes uh of the best the 80 best dog movies Why so 80? the 80 best they're ranking them based off of just the, the ron tomato score okay um so, any guess where um, Snow Dogs falls in? But Snow Dogs not even on there. <laughs> and you would be right; it's not even on there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any guess on what the best one is? Uh, it's probably Old Yeller. You're right. Old Yeller's number one. Yeah. Followed by the animated 101 Dalmatians, and then it looks like an Italian film that I've never heard of before. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, oh, did we mention Lassie? Oh, well, yeah. There's Lassie. Lassie, come home. Lassie, this. Lassie, that. <laughs> Lassie here. Lassie Rin there. Rin Tin Tin. Those are like more like. There's so many of them. Right. So yeah, dog movies, very, very popular. Um, the quality of them is very mixed. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I would say... I think, of... you know, maybe the, the writer, the the comic book writer that did Pizza Dog in Hawkeye was inspired by Snow Dogs in some mm. way. It, just I mean... lo- it reminded me how much I love dogs, so I wrote pizza dog into my comic i mean pizza dog is best dog yeah. uh shiloh oh yeah Charlie, shiloh yeah shiloh's a beagle yes shiloh 
That is a notable one. The Shaggy Dog. Yeah, so so I could keep just going. Lady in the Tramp. So many, so many. Um, it's it's listed fairly low on the list I'm looking at, but Airbud is still like a special one for me. Yeah, the dog wears sneakers. Come on, mm. people. And he likes pudding. He like likes he, pudding. it's so relatable. Yeah. Um, and he's good at basketball. That's not relatable. Um, but yeah, so yeah, if if I'm recommending a dog movie, uh, probably one of the other ones I listed. Yeah, so well, I dog. like sad movies, so I probably recommend like my dog Skip or something. Ugh. Brutal. Yeah, I I don't know if I can ever watch that again. This is where you tell me that it's actually what we're podcasting on next month. No, um, that came out two thousand. <laughs> okay, good. So we we missed that one at least for a couple years. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, I, I don't know if I have much more to say about Snow Dogs. I know we kind of went off on a tangent. No, I think it's perfectly reasonable to talk about dog movies. Now, cat movies, <laughs> I mean, other than the two versions of that darn cat, which are both on Disney Plus and this movie wasn't. Yeah, it's weird this wasn't on Disney Plus, And I, I have really no idea why. And, um, and Cory in the House wasn't on Disney Plus either. Like, we need our mediocre, you know, 2000s TV <laughs> shows and movies. Like, that's what Josh lives off of. I mean, why do you think he watched Danny Phantom? Ah, uh, because Danny Phantom was a classic. Um, I'm telling you, it's going to get brought back. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the only reason I could think this was not on Disney+, Plus, and I don't think this is the case, is just with Kuda, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s recent legal trouble that maybe Disney wanted to distance themselves from him. That's possible, but it's not like they're getting rid of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies with Johnny Depp's, you know, stuff going on. Yeah. But of course, like, it's so much easier to get rid of Snow Dogs than be like, oh yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean, that never happened. Yeah. But, but, but yeah, this... And... Uh, and just the the note that this came at a weird point in his career anyway, where he was really up and comer, and then he you know he won an Oscar for Jerry Maguire. Mm. I think he was in movies. He had a small role in um, As Good as It Gets, mm. which is sort of ironic because like in that movie he told Jack Nicholson, "You're going to take care of your neighbor's dog." Um, he's like he just. He, hands him the dog and says you're gonna take care of him and so it's sort of ironic now that like he had a his own neighbor dog that he disliked mm. and had to take care of all these dogs i just thought it was interesting parallel and contrast yeah yeah that, that is interesting um but yeah and then looking at today like his i mean his career seems like it might be over he hasn't been in a, a film or a tv show since 2016 when he was in american crime story as oj simpson um so yeah yeah you know it's unfortunate but i mean we'll see you know if it's it sounds like he probably doesn't deserve to come back but no no it the yeah i don't want to get too much into the legal side of things but uh it does not look good for him so mm-hmm. but that that aside, um, yeah, Snow Dogs. It's it's a quirky movie. There's some some fun elements to it to to like. Um, uh-huh. If you if you're looking for an animal movie um, or a dog movie, I mean the huskies are, are are really sweet and cute when they're not like destroying stuff. Um, but such is the way of the husky. Um, so maybe I should have watched this before I decided to to care for a husky for a week. Um, that would have been a good cautionary tale. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Aaron, any other thoughts on this one? Nah, I think we're done with this. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Well, uh, want to thank everyone for, for listening. Uh, yeah, I know this was kind of a, uh, not maybe the most notable movie, but as Aaron mentioned earlier, January's are rough, uh, Rough unintentional dog a, like joke dog rough yeah very very unintentional dog joke there um so we'll we'll see if uh february has something more uh mainstream to offer uh but no promises because february is also not known for being the most uh popular time for big name movies to come out 
Um, anyway, so just wrapping up, Aaron, is there anything that you're working on that you want to plug or um, just anything you um, want to just mention right now? Uh, I'm not working on anything recently. Uh, I'm keeping, you know, always an eye out for any like movies that need to be reviewed. So maybe there'll be something in the future. Um, usually, you know, I'm on at Aaron Cernecki at, uh, on Twitter. I usually just talk about movies I watched. Um, there are actually a lot of good movies on YouTube that are free with ads. I watched uh, High Noon with Gary Cooper and uh, Grace Kelly. That was pretty good. Oh. Um, and yeah, there's just lots of other stuff that they don't put in too many ads most of the time. So it's uh, it's it's sort of like just have a free movie. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I would not think to look on YouTube for movies. Well, I, yeah, it's just they average. Well, I go on YouTube maybe more than you. They just they they advertise. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm glad you found some good ones out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was it High Noon. Was that the? Yeah, High Noon is a western. Okay. I see. I need to watch more westerns, so maybe I'll add to my list. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and yeah, and then we we already done our our TV podcast of the month we talked about Cory in the house and uh Aaron I, I know we were not really big on like uh spoiling what's what's coming up for the next month but like do you want to give any like clues or hints for anyone what to expect in the month ahead? uh well I haven't completely decided on what we're gonna do though I do have a pretty good idea so I, I don't want to say something and then go back on it okay fair enough fair enough I can respect that okay um yeah and then on my end of things I don't really have anything going on right now um, other than um, these two podcasts and then my monthly TV break podcast with Bill and Alex. Um, If you haven't listened to that, please go check it out. Um, And then from December, had a couch potato column where I talked about um, cartoons that I felt deserved a revival or reboot, uh, including Danny Phantom, which Aaron mentioned earlier. So, uh, uh, check that out if you're interested in what uh, old cartoons, well, old by some standards, uh, I'd like to see come back or I think deserve another chance. Um, and yeah, we'll see if I get another one out for this month or maybe next month. We'll see. Um, okay. Well, Aaron, thanks again for, for podcasting. It was fun. Yeah. Everyone, uh, thank you for listening. And until next time, remember, if you like blue cheese, it's mean you're adopted. That's that's fake. Don't don't believe that.